Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who need two shots to be effective. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. And I know that was a COVID vaccine reference, which one, hooray, awesome. If you're eligible for it, take it. Unless you're not an essential person, then like get to the back of the line. But um, I I do need two shots, you know, yeah. two shots of espresso in my coffee, okay. uh, two shots of whiskey, um, two shots of vaccine. And that's why they call me Two Shots Chuck. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Uh, and my name's Gene Zelak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm just a, you know. I'm, I'm I'm a tad bit on the smaller side, uh, you know. Two shots of anything puts me under the table, so. Um, you what know. about two shots of, of uh, Goldschlager? Oh, mm, that puts me on. That puts me on uh, people's uh, mom's front lawns. Is what that does. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Gene, Gene, where can we find the show? We can find the show uh, at at Potadelphia because apparently we're, uh, we're doing I, it twice. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two shots. We're gonna make this a running gag. I think. <laughs> So here's the plan. Here's the plan for today. So um, new night. We doing this night per, per, permanent? I, I think this is a good move. Myself, we've I moved. think it's a good move. We've, we've loaded up the trucks. We're like the Mayflower trucks rolling out of Baltimore. We, uh, we're we moving to Tuesday night recording, re- releasing on Wednesday. I feel like we can get some more some more hot takes Yeah. after we let you know some events settle in on Monday and Tuesday. So new night. Uh, today we're going to do some Eagles reaction, uh, and then we're going to go into uh, the 2020 Potadelphia Hall of Fame inductions, which uh, which we're getting in um, just under the wire, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean we don't really have much many opportunities left, so um, you know we we had to do it. So let's get into it. Um, what the hell did I watch on Sunday? Um, entertaining football yeah i was gonna say the best football game of 2020 played by the eagles our super we That's won true. our super bowl this year <laughs> congratulations guys we are not mediocre you know, we still are no we definitely that, still are. that kind of was our super bowl this year uh yeah in a lot of ways it was certainly a game that i think if you sat down even under the best of circumstances at the beginning of the year you 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 probably were hesitant to mark this as a w um, and, uh, we were heavily behind as far as the betting line, um, coming into the game at home, uh, which is never a good thing. Um, and that's the best team in the NFC with not only that, but the best defense in the NFL. So, uh, it was exciting to sort of see the offense do some things. Um, would I say it was the perfect offensive game? No, probably not. But Hey, anytime you've got two people that rush for a hundred yards, uh, one being your quarterback, and you still were able to get 100 yards from Miles Sanders. Uh, I mean, a lot of it on one play, but hey, you know, <laughs> if you, it, they still count home runs, don't they? So let me um, uh, let me let me put on my tinfoil cap here for a second, and because we talked a lot last week about like, all right, what's the best case scenario? Like, what, what's the best outcome of this game? What would be a, the worst? And there wasn't really a good answer. There was like every outcome had a, an upside and a downside to it. Yeah. Um, and judging by Doug Peterson's, and you know, in case you don't know by now, the Eagles did upset the the, the Saints. And and judging by Doug Peterson's post game comments, it was like 
not not only tempered enthusiasm, it was just like no enthusiasm. It yeah. was almost like disappointment that they right. did so well. So tinfoil hat, uh, is there any chance that there was the fact that they pulled, they selected this game to bench Carson, um, at, at, you know, and play Jalen Hurts? Any chance that that was by design to give him like the worst chance to succeed? You know, I would not have come up with that conspiracy theory myself, but you might have a point there. Um, and maybe less conspiratorial. That's not the word I'm looking for. Conspiratorial, I believe, is what we're Conspiratorial. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know the English language anymore, as proven by last week's penalty box. Um, <laughs> but uh, less conspiratorial um, is the idea that you, you set them up for a game that you're expecting to lose anyway. Go, here's the ball, okay. Jalen. You know, it's it, these are odds stacked against us no matter what. Anything you do is gravy. But on the back burner, having the, the dual purpose of not showing up Carson. So go, all right, Jalen, whatever you can do, great. Go out there, try to win the game. He's probably not going to do it. Best defense in the league. High quality offense, one of the best teams in the NFC. He's probably not going to win. Hopefully he looks decent. And then we probably go back to Carson or maybe do another start for Jalen or half and half, whatever. After this week's performance, any talk of, oh, well, you know, Carson's just fine. You know, he's our number one quarterback. Right. is going to get you a lot of follow-up questions. So Doug was probably happy with the win, but probably unhappy with the situation he found himself in. But this was not like a walk-on-water situation from Jalen Hurts. Gene, let me ask you this. Yeah. Did Jalen Hurts like publicly de-pants Carson Wentz and show his whole ass <laughs> uh, to the world in this game? Because, hey, offensive line didn't seem to be a problem. Uh, inter- turnovers... Didn't really seem to be a problem. I think the stat the they football, gave was that play calling all the stuff, all everything equal. Yeah. Carson terrible. <laughs> Jalen Hurts at he, least competent enough to move the ball and put up more than 17 points. The the I think the stat they gave was it was the first game of the year, uh, or maybe like uh, yeah, it must be the first game of the year where there was the Eagles did not give up a sack and a and an interception. Um, which is pretty damning considering we're what, week twelve? So that's crazy that both those things have happened in every single game, um, especially when you've got a guy like Carson Wentz, who sort of coming into this season had a fairly good touchdown to interception ratio, which has basically been completely shot to hell at this point. Um, I, you know, as far as what Jalen Hurts did, I think the main thing that you saw is that this was a kid who um, was not letting his his head get in his way, the way of his instinct. Um, he he just made decisions and he sort of followed through with those decisions. Uh, I think what you're seeing a lot with Carson Wentz is that he is hesitant. And when he makes a decision, he sort of, you know, even in those split seconds, you know, he's waiting just too long. Uh, His mechanics are definitely affected by this sort of whatever's going on between, uh, between his shoulders. Um, I don't think it's like a fear thing that he he's worried about injury, but I do think it's a fear thing that he is afraid to 
uh, to compound failure. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting. Well, I heard a theory. I think it was maybe Stephen A., who was saying this is a carryover from the end of last year where it was, okay, basically, Carson, you are all we have right now. We need a Herculean effort from you. It's all on your shoulders. There's no one else here. You you are Superman. Like you got to put the cape on every Sunday and it's all on you. And he actually succeeded against, you know, a bunch of shit teams and made it to the play. So now is that carrying over to this year? It's like, oh, we got the same kind of the same, um, you know, prologue to this story where everyone's getting hurt. It's all on me. And again, he's just trying to it's like a hubris thing. He always seems like this, like all shucks guy. But under that under that facade, there really is this selfish egotistical i can do it all type of like type a personality well, thanks alshon jeffrey <laughs> I, I think any quarterback is going to have that type a give me the ball personality just to to get to that position in the nfl i i see Stephen a's point but that almost sounds more like something you would say of a Nick Foles cal- uh, caliber quarterback. You know, if if Carson really what? Is, really? No, no, that's what I'm saying. If we're catching lightning in a bottle, going, you know, sort of overestimating their own skill. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Whereas if Carson is this great franchise quarterback, and I still hope he is, I guess. I hope one of the two of them are. Him or Hurts. We'll find out which one is. But okay, um, if he really is that franchise quarterback, he should be able to adjust from playing hero ball, or to be able to continue to play hero ball. You know, he should have some idea of his skill set. Whereas you get a Nick Foles and go, "Hey, you're the Super Bowl MVP. You're going to Disneyland. Um, you outdueled Tom Brady." And now, hey, do it again. And guess what? You can't because you just happen to catch lightning in the bottle. You just happen to to be the right quarterback at the time. So for me, I, I see what he's saying, but that's another indictment against Carson. Maybe. Oh, they're all indictments against Carson. <laughs> right? At this point, yeah. there's not, you know, it's he's, I mean, all right. Lo- lost the city. Yes. For sure. Lose the locker room? Maybe. It doesn't Probably. really seem like there's like a split. It doesn't really seem like there's like a Carson camp and a Jalen camp, which I always am always like licking my chops to listen to sports talk radio when there's a quarterback controversy. And then it gets like pumped up like a, a Thanksgiving Day parade balloon when it's a quarterback yeah. controversy between a white quarterback and a black quarterback, right. which adds like a whole nother Dimension, thing yeah. to it. Um, but it, so it doesn't seem like the locker room's divided. It seems like, okay, we're, we're like, we're with Jalen now. It, it seems like the players are with Jalen, the coaching staff maybe where it's still kind of with Carson because they know what the options are moving forward with the money. Right. Well, th- there was some some 
players that did come out, and I'm thinking of Miles Sanders in particular, where I think it was after before the start, but after Carson had not finished that second half um, against Green Bay, he sort of said something to the effect of, you know, this is not com- completely on the quarterback. There were there were times that I could have done better, and he's like specifically cited the that that fumble that he had he had uh, committed sure. on, on an opening drive. So I think that there's a certain degree. Uh, and then I think Kelsey came out and really sort of blasted almost the whole team um, this week. Uh, and and I, I don't remember exactly everything that he said, but um, it was a, one of those things where, you know, if you sort of have been keeping tabs on the beat writers there, they were saying like, there's very few players that have the sort of um, weight, um, like both physically and, um, you know, emotionally to sort of. <laughs> Uh, say whatever, literally whatever they feel like um, in a locker room, uh, you know, in an NFL locker room. And he's one of the few people that can kind of has gotten to that point where if he needs to call people out, people aren't going to necessarily change their opinion of him, that they sort of look to him to do that. So I think that there is a certain degree of within the locker room self-awareness that there it's certainly not that it was one guy and the rest of them were great. Um, but right. to a certain degree, I also think that the players are are looking for something to motivate or drive them. Motivation might not really be a, be be the right word, but something that at least excites them to. But sort you, of raise but you literally level. took out you literally took out the quarterback and put in replacement level, which is basically what he was. I mean, you know, sure they did some more dynamic things with his legs than a replacement level quarterback, but you know, maybe in the through the air wasn't so prolific. You basically got replacement level quarterback play and you look like a competent football team. So maybe right. the team overall isn't as bad as it's looked week over week over week. So we, we say like, Oh, well, you know, what if we had this type of play six weeks ago or three weeks ago or two weeks ago, you know, right. or even one week, you know what I mean? Like if we had one more win or two more wins, would we make the playoffs? Would we just lose that game or no? Are we a competent enough football team? Overall, the defense looks okay. Like, I don't – defense is good. The defense yeah, the, is good. The defense uh, has been getting progressively better for the last, what, four weeks, I'd yeah. say? Well, it, and they've, it, it, they've really held them in, you know, most games. Could this yeah. team right now – could this team right now with Jalen Hurts win a home playoff game against the Seahawks? Ooh. Um – Against the 49ers, for Christ's You know, any like yeah. if we have the Jalen Hurts from this past week, I'd say yes. I mean, I don't expect him to do much more of a run than one game, but if Jalen Hurts is the, the same quarterback we saw against the Saints or better, then yes, I think the Eagles could win the division, which, <laughs> I mean, the three of us, if we got our act together, could win this division. But I think the Eagles could win the division and win one wild card playoff game. Um, I, I want to backtrack just slightly to the point of a divided locker room over the two quarterbacks. The thing about Jalen is even his teammates haven't seen him play. You know, they, they've seen tape from college. And a couple practices. They haven't even seen a preseason game. They saw all the same plays that we did of Doug goes, Jalen, it's your turn. Right. Hand it off. And all right, we'll see you in half an hour or maybe another game. So I wonder what sort of dynamic we'll build now 
especially if the Eagles go back to Jalen. Is that confirmed yet? I'm going to assume they're going back to him. It is. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, don't, I don't know think that it is either. But uh, at this point, I, I don't. I don't really know what choice you have. You've sort of, you've sort of already knocked the the horse out of the out of the barn. You've sort of gotta gotta let it go. Uh-huh. If you look, if they decide to make Carson Wentz the starting quarterback this week, there are motives behind that decision that are not. I want to win the football game this week, right? And, yeah. and that would be painfully obvious. And then again, you're showing your whole ass if you do something like that, because you're either posturing for trades or I I, I don't know. I mean, I mean trying it, to lose with uh, that. You would you would really I think you would you would if if Carson comes out and throws three picks in that game against the Cardinals, I think you've done the sort of damage that you know I don't know that he he can bounce back from. Um, you know that you've you taken. Can you bounce back now? You take, you take the. But I mean, if it's one of those things where you take the job from him, you know, it's one of those things where, like, once you're benched, you know, it's one of those. Come back next year, and and we'll 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 try and 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 do it square in camp. Oh God! But, oh God! You know, because that's where I see this headed. I see Jalen finishing the year. I think they've got to win out to win the division the way that Washington and and the Giants have played. Um, the Cowboys are awful, and I think. Fucking! Me- I mean, it's such a mess. It's a mess. And I mean, it all goes back to why did you make? I mean, we could have predicted this decision in April when they made the, the pick. You know, I mean, why are you bringing this situation in house? There is nothing good can come of it. We never saw Doug use him like a like a like a tool uh, or or some sort of like talent piece in the offense. It, it was never it never made any sense. You know what I hate? I hate like when you win a championship and. Um... I hate it when you win a champion. No, I hate it when like a team wins a championship and then these books come out about the team like that year. Like, okay, yeah. this is what happened that year. Well, I, look, someone should write a book about this shit. About like, bad the, all, like the like the car. Maybe it's a Carson Wentz book or whatever it is. But like how this all ha- like go back to like Chip Kelly and like how this all unfolded. Going through the like the series. Of, I mean, when you think about it, it's like wow. I can pinpoint every one of these critical turns in this story uh, you know from the statue like all like why yeah. this pick like what went into that like i need to know like the behind the scenes yeah. stuff just like um uh 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 what was i gonna say um making a murderer <laughs> <laughs> like a true crime podcast or netflix series because sign me up yeah, no no like like someone needs to write a book about the process Yes. Like go back, get, get hinky on board, like get interviews with all these guys, like do a total expose about the whole, pro- like I would buy a book about the process for sure. Um, and the same thing about this Carson Wentz. I mean, I guess it's not fully written yet. Um, I mean, just what, what, a, what, a, I mean, I don't even know. It's just, Was it's, the Carson Wentz pick a fuck up? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in 17, it looked like it wasn't, but then. It's, I mean, did we blow all those picks? What have we done with picks that we've had anyway? I mean, let's let's be honest. But I mean, here's here's the thing though with with Wentz. You know, yeah, it's not it's not fully written, but you know, you you paid him. The only decision that the the Eagles have have made that is supportive of him is is writing him a check. All of the other decisions are, are surrounding that from um from the the draft pick to the the sort of. Uh, allowing the sort of deification of Nick Foles and, and all of that dragging out for that whole, uh, that whole yeah. summer. Um, 
you know that that's on the front office to sort of make earlier commitments than they than they did. Um, Dude, you, you know, think, right? Like my, so- Nick Foles, remember, spent a whole another year here after after he won the Super Bowl. How, you know what I mean? Fuck? That that should have been like either we are committed to you, the guy that won us the Super Bowl, or we got to let you go because, you know, your value is real high and you like, can't stay here the, with us, guy. The, 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 the week Carson gets hurt, the next week there's like St. Nick, like those electronic billboards, man. They like yeah. fly up like like St. <laughs> Nick billboards and everything. And uh, we believe in you, Nick. And, like, and all this. Mm-hmm. Stuff. And then he does it. And then the statue. And then the next year, the same shit happens. And, like this week. Did you guys see the billboards this week? It's like no. love hurts. Oh yeah, <laughs> like all that shit. Like again, it's like it's happening again, and right. this guy must be like, it's like this playing for this team is like Groundhog Day. Yeah, every and then you look I at do. you look at Doug's record with a backup quarterback. It's like he's it's insane. Fucking Lombardi, man. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It's you insane. know what's really awful? What's really awful is, and again, we'll put the the caveat, the asterisks out there that Carson could, you know, reclaim you know, um, resurrect his career. But if we had stuck with Foles and paid him like the quarterback that we knew him to be with the Super Bowl bonus and then drafted a like a Hertz level player <laughs> or, or someone, a quarterback in the second round to act as the heir apparent, my God, it'd be a much more seamless transition. You know, it would be it like, and I'm not saying that the the past two years would be fun. Yeah, but it'd be a clear path. It'd be Super Bowl hero, hero of the double part. doink game, and sit on the bench. You get a talk show on WIP every week. You know, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, could have got a bag for Carson at that time, and yeah. like, but I, I think- not only can you not move Carson now, you'll have to give up something in addition to someone taking Carson now. Like, you'll have to give up a pick. Yeah, well, and and yeah. and you can't cut him because it it would it would it would it would sink your your cap. You you'd have. Well, that's to what eat. I mean. You have to trade him, and no one's taking that on. Yeah. Yeah, a Carson and a first will get you a first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a Carson a first and a second. Carson and a pick swap. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Megahertz. Have we heard that one yet? No, but I love it. Not a bad one, right? Megahertz. <laughs> so, so, um, so let's let's one one more thing before we we yeah, move on yeah, to the, the the real entertainment. The uh, the Eagles win the next three games. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. Is Doug's job safe then? No problems. He's good. Again, the, the best uh, coach in December's history uh, gets the <laughs> Eagles to the playoffs. See, that's the thing. It's like we don't know. Like, we don't know the backstory. We don't know. <sighs> is it is it is it Carson that has been hampering Doug all this time and he's been f- directed that he has to play Carson until this week when, when Laurie said, okay, you know, if he's not performing, bench him, you know, kind of thing. Or is it the other way his around. stubbornness to stick with Carson? And then Laurie says, look, sit him. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I want to like, try. You know what the I words think are? Yeah. The words were play Jalen Hurts, but yeah. I don't know what the tone was behind yeah. it. 
Yeah, and, and, you know, and, and I guess the option option three is, you know, Laurie is trying to stay out of it, although I find that hard to believe. And it's it. and it's 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 Doug and the rest of the coaching staff, and finally the rest of the coaching staff is like, look, man, we we want to win these. We want to try, man. Like we can't we can't just keep going out there and, and diving on the sword. Like let's 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 try to win. Like we need we got to throw a different we got to throw a different pitch or something. We got to do something. But Why yeah, am I, I making Doug's so many baseball analogies when I'm talking about football? I, that's. I think his job is definitely in jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Howie's job is he's probably first in the chopping block. Really? I don't know. Just how many weeks have we seen coverage of these are all the Eagles picks? And here's <laughs> how many are playing. <laughs> like, yeah. wave high, Carson. Oh, oh. Um, has there been any Jake Elliott news? I, I The one thing Not I did see was Dave Fipp, I think, um, came out today and did a uh, a press conference, which it's always bad when your special teams coach has to do a, a press conference. <laughs> um, when your special teams coach has media availability, either you've, you've got a hurt kicker or you're switching kickers or um, – but it, it, what it seems like is he seemed to sort of say – and I don't know what else you're going to say unless you're going to bring in another guy this late in the season that uh, Jake's a, a professional kicker. He's, he's, he's made a lot of big kicks for this team and, and we, we continue to trust him, which is counter to everything we have seen on the field. <laughs> it is so clear to me that Doug Peterson does not trust Jake Elliott. And I think that that is one of the reasons why some of these gambles have gone so bad because Doug Peterson does not feel like the odds are, you know, the math is sort of what's on the chart. He feels like his kicker is is not lights out. He's not, you know, he's not comfortable with that. He would rather leave his offense on the field, which is doing way more damage, I think, uh, the way these <laughs> decisions are going. But, you know, what's Dave Fipp going to come out and say? Like, uh, I can't cut him, but uh, he definitely sucks and we're not going to kick. Uh, you know, th- th- that's not what he's what he's going to say. But that's all I heard as far as Jake Elliott news. I, I, you know, I, there were other administrations or, or other uh, front offices, I guess, in this town that, you know, for this team, really, that I would imagine, mm. you know, you would have seen him cut. Another, right. I mean, you know, he's another kind of bad, bad salary, actually. I mean, I know it's not yeah. like a huge thing, but he's the 12th highest paid kicker in the league. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk he's, about making, like, he's making almost four million this year. Talk about getting paid off a of one kick, man. I mean, if you <laughs> want to say like, if you, I bet you, if we look at this at the end of the year and say, okay, you made four million dollars this year, how many, how much did we pay per point? <laughs> yeah, um, that you've gotten us. That's gonna be a yeah. pretty high rate of return for him. So it's like when they do those, um, like Vince Velasquez things. Like how many, how many, how many dollars per out are we paying for you? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> anyhow all right well that's good that was good eagles talk i, I enjoyed that so we got what the, we got the cardinals this in arizona yeah. right yeah yeah uh shout out to the eagles fan club west who i watched a preseason game with uh last year out in arizona so they're a good group so hope uh hope we do them right when we're out there next week uh, all right let's get on to the travel. Let's get yeah, for sure. Uh, let's get on to the 2020 uh, Potadelphia Hall of Fame inductions. Can uh, can someone um, remind me? This is going to be this is going to be interesting. What were the <laughs> rules uh, for the Hall of Fame inductions? They, they had to be retired, right? 
Yeah, I, I'll start with my interpretation of the rules because okay. I was the one that advocated that we pick it up this week of all weeks because last year we did it in the doldrums of the summer. This year around the same time, well, basketball and hockey were starting back up. So sure. we actually had things to talk about. Um, and I thought now would be a good time before basketball comes back, before hockey comes back, where we're only dealing with one sport to revisit the Potadelphia Hall of Fame. Last year was the inaugural class. This year will be the second class. The rules, as I understood them, were that the players had to play within our lifetime. Um, right. Okay. The players yeah. had to be retired for at least five years. Ooh, five years? Okay. Yeah. They cannot be in their own respective Hall of Fames. So, right. Ross, not eligible. They have to embody the Potadelphia philosophy. And I feel like there was one more, but I'm, I'm missing it now. I, um, but I think that that was all of them. Um what we do is we each take one team, um, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, and my understanding was that we'd all approach the Eagles with three of our own picks. Okay. Um, I, I I had some kind of rule in my mind that <clears throat> you could not be eligible for the Potadelphia Hall of Fame two years in a row. Um. That was never a written rule. I, I feel had, like we'd just be nominating like the same. I had like, our best shot last year with the three from each team that we thought. So like really those three should be the first ones. You know what I mean? So I thought yeah. we'd mix it up. Well, I carried over one for the Flyers and one okay. for the Eagles. Um, I did not put that rule in because I knew that it'd be very difficult to come up with three Sixers. That were completely yeah, unique that we had never done. So, so um, Chuck, you brought us three Flyers for nomination. Mm -hmm. uh, Gene, you brought us three Phillies. Correct. Right? Um, I uh, <laughs> I attempted to bring us three Sixers. Um, I brought us no Eagles. Gene, you brought one Eagle. Chuck, you brought three. Yeah. Yep. So, so we the have group four project Eagles. is going wonderfully. Okay. So, look, I think we have enough pieces here that we're going to get through this. Yeah. So and I'll, I'll go just on the last rule of how it worked last time. This year will obviously be a bit different, but how it worked last time is I'm presenting the flyers. I give you the three nominees. You two vote. I serve as the tie breaking vote. Um, okay. So that's how the Phillies and the flyers will work. We'll see what's happening with the Sixers and the Eagles. All right. Let's start with the flyers. Cause you seem like you have the, you're the most organized <laughs> Uh, with this, so let's start there, and maybe we can follow your lead. All right. Well, I, I think I am the most organized with this this year, and it's easy with the Flyers because although they are the only team never to win a championship in our lifetime, they are the most successful team um, over the last forty whatever years. So my one carryover from last year was Rod Brindamore, fan favorite played with a hell of a lot of grit, um, two-way player, uh, Selkie Award winner, Stanley Cup winner with the Hurricanes, uh, Rod Brindamore, fan favorite, great Potadelphia-type player. And he's going to be the one carryover from last year. He's got a lunch pail. Definitely got a lunch pail, has a, a work-a-day nose. 
mm-hmm. um, is a, a real quality kind of guy. You ho- we have a, another guy like that in, um, in Sean Couturier, yeah. but Brenda Moore is going to be the one here of the nominees closest to the actual NHL Hall of Fame. Um, Ron Hextall was my third nominee last year. He's not making it this year. Okay. Um, he got the boot. A first year eligible player is Simone Gagne. Oh shit. Yep. He <laughs> this retired. is the fifth year that he's been out of the league. Yep. He retired in 2015 after a abbreviated comeback attempt with the Bruins. Okay. All of Gagne's best years were with the Flyers. He spent 11 years with the Flyers from 99-2000 up through the 2010 Stanley Cup final run. Gagne went from dynamic rookie to experienced veteran. He was team MVP in multiple years. He was just a fixture of Philadelphia Flyers hockey through several different generations, through the end of Lindros, through the primo years, through the beginning of the what would become the Giroux years, um, but the Richards and Carter years. Uh, Simone Gagne, special place in my heart, great player, dynamic player. Went from the Flyers to the Lightning to the Kings, where he won his cup, came back to the Flyers for a very short stay, and then retired after a failed comeback in Boston. Um, I wanted to represent several different decades here. I'd say Brindy is representing the 90s. Um, Gagne is representing, you know, early aughts. And Brian Prop is representing the 80s. Um, Proper uh, was the most prolific left winger of the 80s, um, which is going to say something in a high-scoring time. Um, he, I believe, ranked second in points um, amongst uh, wingers. He was a Flyers uh, all-star team MVP multiple years. If he was not injured in 87, there's a very good argument that the Flyers would have won the Cup uh, if Prop was not injured. He was a fixture of those Mike Keenan teams. Uh, with the team up until 1990, then traded away for the uh, the short four-year uh, rebuild. So the candidates for this year's um, class, uh, last year's inductee was John LeClaire, but the candidate for this year's class is Rod Brindamore, Simone Gagne, and Brian Propp. All right. I think uh, Flyers have a lot of good a lot of good candidates for this type they, of uh they really do it's what you exercise. get for, it's what you yeah. get for being good enough to always compete for the Stanley Cup but not good enough that you want it so you stay out of the actual Hall of Fame yeah 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 i mean my first impression is um rod brindamore but the simone gagne thing is is really compelling and he was kind of more of a I don't know more when I was in tune with the flyers, I was watching Simone Gagne, but I think what puts it more towards Rod Brindamore for me is that quantification that you should embody the spirit of Potadelphia. Um, that, that kind of like gives it that edge. I kind of like, (laughs) 
you know, gritty, like middle finger kind of attitude a little bit. So I, my vote's Rod Brindamore. Gene, what do you, what do you think? Uh, I agree. I, uh, Rod Brindamore was one of my favorite players growing up, if not my favorite player. The, he, he was a person who, whenever he was on the ice, uh, I was always drawn, uh, drawn to him. Uh, my friends and I always uh, sort of lovingly joked whenever any of us were hesitating about anything. It was a lot of like, Brindamore waits, Brindamore waits, <laughs> um, you know. He he did sometimes on the power play like to like to hold, um, so but yeah I mean he was a, an absolute fixture a, a mainstay uh, you know even though he went on to have sort of um, a second career or second sort of um, fandom and life in Carolina I feel like he's one of the few people that no matter where he was going to go he was going to he was going to become uh, you know a popular fixture um, and uh, he was. He was a guy who, you know, one of the only signed pieces of memorabilia I've got um, from my childhood is a, is a Rod Brindamore puck. And uh, I, uh, I still, you know, take that from place to place with me. So uh, I think it's I think it's a pretty safe bet to uh, and I'm happy to include uh, Rod Brindamore along with John LeClaire. I think that's an excellent tandem. I, I agree. If I had a vote in this. I'd be torn between Brindy and Gagne, but I would probably choose Brindamore as well. So I also right. that Brindamore can like is proof that like no matter what you look like, <laughs> you can have an entire city of women want to sleep with you <laughs> just by you know your your style of play. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing he had a helmet. And he had a pretty jacked body too, like yeah. disturbingly so. Even as a coach right now, you see him like in a tank top. It's it's unnerving. <laughs> speaking speaking, I'm glad he had a helmet. I'm I'm really surprised that Craig McTavish doesn't make this list at any point in time for just being the mm. the one maniac skating around the ice without a helmet yeah. for all those years. Yeah, he was grandfathered he in. Wasn't under, he wasn't under <laughs> consideration. Him and Craig Berube were both under consideration in multiple years, but uh, they just didn't make the cut. Nice, nice. Okay, congratulations, Rod Brindamore. Uh, Gene, you want to go through the Phillies? Sure, yeah. Um, so I sort of went with all uh, all new faces for this year's um, this year's inductees or, or potential inductee. Uh, I think it's it, we're really sitting here waiting on that, that clock to sort of tick down to when some more of the 08 guys sort of hit that five-year out-of-the-league mark. Uh, right. Chase Utley, obviously not eligible yet. Brian Howard, surprisingly, not eligible yet. Jimmy Rollins, not eligible yet. Uh, even Shane right. Victorino, some of those guys, not eligible yet. So um, I went uh, sort of similar to you guys. I sort of went through three eras of, of Phillies history, and uh, I'll start with my my member of the 1980 Philadelphia Phillies, but really a, a guy that we all sort of grew up with, knowing him in a different role. And that's Larry Boa. Um, you know, we know that he was a player. I, I don't have a lot of vivid memories, obviously, of Larry Boa, the player, other than what I've seen sort of on um, on Comcast Sportsnet and stuff like that. But we know that he was sort of known as like the spark plug sort of guy and as a player, sort of a sort of a, you know, just like a like a tough little guy and a tough out. Um and you know us sort of smaller guys have to stick together. But really, what what um, what I think really I think embodies the, the Potadelfi Hall of Fame portion is is his sort of attitude as as the manager and just overall sort of 
person of the Phillies. You know what I mean? Like Larry Boa is one of those those faces that you just you, you can't really imagine him without his Phillies uniform on. It, it anytime you see him in a sports jacket or anything, it it, it just seems un un you know unnatural that he would be in anything other than you know red and white pinstripes. Um, there was nobody that quite had the the fire and. Uh, you know, was as entertaining when arguing a call as Larry Boa. Um, and even though he was not necessarily the best manager in, in Philly's history, I think all of us never um, disrespected him or, or, or thought lower of him uh, after he sort of moved on and then sort and then sort of came back around. He's still, he never really left the organization or didn't leave for long. So uh, I think Larry Boa is a, a good representative because he's, he's just, he's just a lifer, man. Um, for the nineties, I, I, I sort of took another one of the guys that was my, uh, my favorite player. And I think there's going to be another generation that's coming along. That's going to find, um, a whole different reason to, to sort of fall in love with this guy and his personality. And that's John Cruck. Um, he was one of my favorite, uh, at bats to watch. You, you sort of always wondered how a guy that sort of looked like that could, could stay in the major leagues as long as he did. Um, <laughs> And, you know, when you watch him on the broadcast now, you know, very few people are at this point as entertaining to me as, as listening to, to Kruk call a game. He's becoming one of those people that I'm willing to tolerate sort of really crap baseball um, to watch and listen more specifically to to him tell some stories from when he was in the league or or give some insight. And, and he's got sort of that that mix of uh, he's a fan, but also still knows his shit. So, um you know, Kruk is one of my favorites to listen to and certainly was one of my favorites to watch. And uh, the guy who I think is sort of a wild card or a wild piece here is uh, is a relief pitcher from the 08 team, and that's Brad Lidge. Uh, he would actually uh, didn't last much longer in the league after uh, 08. Uh, the, the way I understand it, he, he almost literally sacrificed the rest of his career uh, to, the, uh, to the 08 celebration. He fell to his knees and then was tackled by... Ryan Howard and and his knee was never quite right after that, um, which has always been sort of like bittersweet that the guy has a perfect oh, season God. and and Ryan it's, Howard screwed up so many yeah, things. I know, after- I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think uh, you know Lidge has never sort of seemed to hold any uh, ill will, and uh, you don't get much better than Lidge in that 08 season. He was not a long time Philly, but uh, his the image of him falling, uh, you know, falling to his knees and, and Chooch running towards him is about as iconic an image in Philly sports in this in this century as, as you can get. I, I don't know if there's anything uh, as far as a visual that you can kind of call to mind. Maybe I guess Nick Foles holding up the Lombardi trophy uh, or or the or the the sack fumble from from 17, but um, I mean up until that point it was you know Lidge Lidge winning the, the the series that sort of was the moment. Um, so those are my three. It's Larry Boa, John Cruck, Brad Lidge. You know, the Phillies are kind of interesting because for a team that you know, is the losingest team in professional sports history, I mean, we have seen a lot of like really good quality players, like not Hall of Fame level players, but, you know, really good players come through that I think, you know, Phillies have a lot to draw on um, with this as well. So Chuck, Chuck, what do you think of you for the first uh, first thoughts on this? Yeah, three good nominees, Gene. Um and not only are they three different eras, they're three different types of players and three different players that have different relationships to. The the one I'm ruling out first is Boa. 
which is funny because if we didn't have the caveat of had to play during our lifetime, you know, if it was just objective, he would be my choice. But I don't remember him as a player. I remember seeing highlights. I remember him recently off of the fills. I knew the name, but I just missed him. You know, he played during my lifetime, but I didn't live and die with a a Larry Boa at bat. So intellectually, I think probably he's the right choice, but um, we're not going with that. We're thinking with our gut here. We're thinking with the Potadelphia spirit. And cool boy, who embodies the Potadelphia spirit? Who embodies the gut more than John Crock? So he he's the front runner. I love Crock. So you guys not have to move the elf on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I the elf on the shelf. <laughs> so you know what time it is. Can, can he hug a bottle of whiskey in honor of John Crock? Um. So he he was my. Most, of the three, my most favorite fill for the longest time. But my God, Lidge was magic. The the Lights Out Lidge run in 08. I mean, years surrounding it as well, but it really was that 08 season where it, you, you it, it must have been like watching CC Sabathia. You know, but just one season of it. It was... It was someone coming in and feeling like we got this game locked down. I think you meant Mariano Rivera. Yeah. I did mean Mariano Rivera. <laughs> Once I said it, I'm like, I, mean, I like Rivera. CC too. He's great. He's, yeah, but he's not. Uh, I meant Rivera. Thank you. Um, with all that said, as important as Lidge was, I'm going to say Cruck just because he was the most meaningful fill for the longest period of time for me. Yeah, you know what's funny is I I was uh, Lidge was the first one I eliminated. Like I I love Brad Lidge and the bridge to Lidge and all that stuff was was awesome. Um, but I think both Boa and Cruck are really Potadelphia guys, and I think that man, it's really tough because like I ain't an athlete, lady. Like I love <laughs> I read that book like ten times. Like I I was just I was just crazy for the '93 Phillies. Um, and I'm sitting here, I'm looking at Larry Boa's career stat. You know, do you know Larry Boa got MVP votes? Yeah. I mean, the, you know, again, this, you know, Chuck, to your point, we weren't alive, but in like 1976 is probably his best year. In 672 plate appearances, he only struck out 31 times. That's and that's crazy. kind of like wow, the trend for him. And I mean, what like a and again you know we always think of him as the manager you know like you were talking about Gene but I mean what a great player but so it's tough for me I, I think Bo would be like my dad's Potadelphia <clears throat> and Cruck is so great <clears throat> I met him even though it was only for like thirty seconds we talked tweets we talked Mets fans <clears throat> such a great guy and and I think that you know he is. Like when you think of Croc, you do think of Phillies. You know, when you think of Brad Lidge, sometimes I think of the Astros. Yeah, um, I mean, Boa, same thing. Like I always, I, you know, he's synonymous with the Phillies. But again, he's like my dad's Phillies. So, uh, yeah, I got to go. I mean, I, I'm sorry that we're not getting as much debate in here as <laughs> we probably should. But I'm, go, I'm going with the Crocker too. So now we got Dutch and Croc. Yeah, I think that that's also another good, a good duo Delphi. there in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um <clears throat> Let's just go through the Eagles real quick that have been brought. 
<laughs> and I've been All brought right. to the table. Maybe we'll just move a little faster through through this area. Um, Chuck, can you give us the three eagles you brought to the table, and maybe just like a little. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just give them. Uh, yeah, knows who they are. If we get into more now, last year's resume. entry was Randall, right? Yes, Randall. Despite Dave's objections, uh, Randall was was the uh, inaugural inductee. My carryover from last year of my nominations is Brian Westbrook. Um, for me, it's just the the tenacity, the little guy factor, which is apparently a Potadelphia thing. Hey, um, <laughs> the the he was just a fixture with that Eagles team for like a decade. Yeah. which is insane for a running back. Um, Seth Joyner, which was, I think, a, a nominee of yours last year, Dave. I was debating between him and Jerome, but I chose uh, Seth. Yeah. And Donovan McNabb, who Is he, is he officially not... five years out now? Yep, he's five years out. He was eligible last year. Dave nominated him. Neither Gene and I did not. And I want to give all the credit to Carson Wentz, <laughs> for elevating Dominic, uh, Donovan McNabb in my mind. He was actually the one of the inciting incidents to this being revisited was like, you know what? Donovan was a lot better than I gave him credit for last year. So my three are Westbrook, McNabb, and Joyner. Uh, Gene, who's on your one-person list? I, I, I would just add, and uh, thank, I mean, uh, those are all three great people, um, and I was trying to... to not matched, so I'm glad that I didn't. But I included Eric Allen. Uh, I think that he was one of the most dominant players uh, at his position. Uh, and and maybe if and that's one of those things that we could sort of discuss. He is very seriously, I think, in 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 discussion in the in you know on the short list of being maybe added to the NFL Hall of Fame. He is not yet, um, and it seems like he's one of those names that comes up every year as somebody that might get inducted, but uh, he hasn't been yet. And, uh, you know, his numbers certainly bear it out. But more more for me was talk about a guy who sort of very different personality from those other guys that were on sort of those those uh, gangrene defenses. But, man, like, even though he was one of those, like, smiling assassins, like, even though, you know, he was he was he had that big grin and was always looked like he was having a great time, man, when he hit you, you know, there was very little like that. That was a sound like a like an Eric Allen laying somebody out. And um, you know, he was also great in coverage. He was just he was just really good at his job, really good at what he, what he did. And uh, you know, when you think of the, like that nastiness, that nasty streak that was the Mean Green offense, he was sort of like um, you know, he was sort of the levity. He was sort of like the um, I don't want to say the Joker, but like he he really was, sort of seemed like he was the one that was playing with 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 just such joy for being uh, a defensive player. And, um, you know, it's hard not to just go through the 11 guys that were on, like, the 1991 Eagles defense uh, and just sort of induct them all at once. Um, But uh, he was one of my favorites and always sort of began my fascination with with the Eagles secondary. And sometimes that fascination is uh, in awe of how good it can be, and sometimes it's, it's the way it's been for, like, the last 20 years. And just to piggyback on that, um, it that last spot was going to be between you know, someone on that that gangrene Eagles defense, and Eric Allen was up there for me as well. You know, it's funny. Eric Allen was my favorite football player um, when I was a kid. 
See, uh, not, not really my sure favorite, but he was Love. he was really high up there. Honestly, I I went with Joiner because I thought he was more of a a fan favorite. But I, yeah. I think it was that Eric Allen. Whenever you saw him talk, you know, he did seem like he was just, especially if you're a kid, like he seemed like he just loved playing football and was so happy to be doing his job. And and he just crushed people, which was always I, great. Yeah, I, I I just love the picks, man. Like I don't know. I guess there's just something about when you know an interception that like I loved when I was a kid. It's just he was he was great. I mean, you know, when you're talking about a team that was the number one overall defense. And the number one defense against the run and the number one defense against the pass. And like, not just for one year, like yeah. that's pretty, you have some great, great players there. So I, I, like out of the players that you've listed, it's really, it's really tough. I mean, you, you're, uh, you're serving up the greatest quarterback in franchise history who we're probably not going to go with again. <laughs> um, and, and not for anything performance or stats wise, but for me, it's when we talk about that, like embodiment of the show, like Donovan McNabb's just not really that guy that I would I would want to represent us or me or the show. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Like I like Donovan. He's like, fine. I think he kind of gets a bad rap a lot, but um, for me, out of this list, it's Seth Joyner. Um, I like you know a new generation is getting to learn about Seth Joyner now on like post game live and everything and. You know, straight talker, tell tells it like it is. He was a hard-nosed player. Um, I'm looking at Ned. You know, he's the only player in NFL history uh, that has 50 sacks and 20 interceptions. Yeah. yeah. Um, the guy is so really like, a great player. Yeah. I mean, like, the, he's, he's fringe actual NFL Hall of Fame. So, um, you know, for that, my, my vote's Seth Joyner. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Well, Gene, do you want to change your vote from Eric Allen or? Um, I mean, I was putting Eric Allen sort of into the pool. Um, I think I sort of talked myself into Eric Allen. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know if, if that means it's between between those two for you, because um, I don't know how we break a tie if you decide to go Donovan. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> and for that. If he can get more petty, if Donovan McNabb can like really <laughs> bitch on Twitter more, like he might, he might rise in the ranks. Also, I don't want to send in two quarterbacks. Um, you know, I don't want it to be pot well, like, up. Like really, Eagles. Randall is the show's quarterback. Yeah, he right. really is. Yeah. He, of them, I was leaning Joiner. Um, I was leaning Seth Joiner. You know, before we started, so. Um, unless you have any objections, Gene, or no, want to make a case for somebody else, I'd say Seth Joyner. It is. I think that's a great pick. I think. I think, that... he, I think Seth Joyner is the only guy in contention here that's won a Super Bowl, right? Um. Yeah. I mean, Eric Allen certainly didn't. Westbrook and Donovan went to one, but they didn't win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And Randall almost got to to one with uh, with Minnesota, but that didn't work out. Cool. All right, Seth Joyner. So this so this year's class, until we get to the Sixers here, is uh John Crock, Seth Joyner, and uh Rob Brindamore, right? Yeah. It's, you can certainly Fuck tell that, that we're not you know children of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when I was putting together the Sixers for this, um here were here were the nominees that 
I was going to present um, tonight. So returning, I think, from last year's list. I don't know, Gene, Aaron McKee? Yep, he was on last year's list. So he was on last year's list. Okay. And then I was looking at Theo Ratliff uh-huh. and Eric Snow. Sure. And I started to think, like, this feels really Phillies Hall of Fame-ish to me. <laughs> yeah. And in, I mean, in the Sixers' defense, there's much, like, there's fewer players. Yeah. Way fewer players. And and the thing you know, is, that those, about, those like, players with the NBA, like, you will stay a lot longer, especially in the 80s. Like, it was the same, like, 13 guys for you know, nine years. And a lot of those guys from the championship team, like are fucking hall of famers. Right. Right. And the only one that wasn't, we put into, to the pot of Delphi hall. We did it last year. year. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I decided to just change the category from Sixers to something else. And I wanted to make it a little more fun. So I wanted to do Philadelphia celebrity. Ooh. Okay. But pinned to each team. So I have each team's celebrity representative and for get, nomination. And we get to sort of like decide which one actually goes into the Hall of Fame as yes. like the fan. Yes. Like the, the, the fan the celebrity fan Hall of Fame. Okay. All right. All right. So for the Phillies consideration, uh, we're putting up Tina Fey uh, for Hall <laughs> of Fame nomination. She is a legit Phillies fan. She wanted to be a Phillies ball girl when she grew up. Yeah. Um, legitimately from the area. Uh, and she's great, right? Like we all love Tina Fey, right? The Philly accent and everything. Like mm-hmm. that's awesome. The fanatic has appeared on 30 rock. I think multiple times yes. there was a bit with her having a Pete Rose haircut, but people thought it was like Mary Lou Retton or something along those lines. So yes, definitely. Uh, she definitely has Philly's, uh, bona fides. Okay. Great. Great. For the flyers. David Boreanaz, right? There's really no other option. Not really. I mean, there there might be some people who are, you know, kind of Flyers fans, but he is the number one. Bones the number himself. One. Was he Mr. <laughs> Bones on that show? Well, he did end up marrying Bones. He was... Um, oh, Bones was the, the, the woman. Yes. Yeah. Bones was uh, Zoe Deschanel's sister. Um, other Deschanel. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Booth, a descendant of John Wilkes Booth. Uh, David Boreanaz represented the Flyers and Philly teams well on Bones, uh, also known for Buffy and the spinoff Angel yep. and whatever military show he's doing now that he hears is quite popular. Um, you're I leaving out. You're leaving out a major from... David Boreanaz fact, though. You do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't you, you realize that this the thing that makes him like maybe the most Philadelphia celebrity of all Philadelphia celebrities? Oh, he's he's not even Mac? the most famous Philadelphia celebrity in his in his family, honestly. Oh, Dave Roberts. Yes. Yeah, he is <laughs> oh, yeah. Dave Roberts' kid. Like, right, right, right. you know, I, 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 I can't. for sure. I couldn't go watch him tonight because he's retired. But like, how many childhood snow days? Did Dave Roberts yeah, break to you? Make, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, make your day with the Snow Days <laughs> announcement. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, all right. So for Sixers, a lot Sixers of was a little weird. Yeah, a lot, I had a, a couple. Choices. I had a couple candidates I could have gone with here, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with Kevin Hart. I think that was the right call. Yeah, could have gone with M Night. 
Mm-hmm. You could have gone Will Smith, uh, but that feels spaghetti. Yeah, nah. So Kevin Hart, I mean, he does sit courtside, either to our benefit or detriment. I'm <laughs> not convinced yet. <laughs> but you know, he is Philly. He does represent. Um, I don't know. You like Ke- you like I like Kevin Hart stand ups. It's okay, right? Uh, uh, Pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, I like his yeah. movies a lot more than I like Jumanji. His, I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I I like Kevin Hart as a personality. Um, yeah. I don't remember any of his bits from stand up. I remember finding him funny, but um, I just find him to be a funny personality, like in films like Jumanji and other things. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely like that he's a Philly guy and he represents us well. My favorite things are like when he gets drunk at games and then tries to get on the <laughs> broadcast because he always is like trying to like they have to like pan down because they're talking to NBA players and he's again like he wants not super to have tall. the Spike Lee effect. Yeah, it just doesn't. It's <laughs> no. just not. I don't know. No, M Night is much more our equivalent to, uh, and I think a perfect sort of analogy of the Philly version of Spike Lee. It's Spike. It's is M Night. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both yeah. had similar quality movies, as far as I'm concerned. No, <laughs> no, no. M Night, God bless him. I love the fact that he uses the area, but he has the sixth sense. Time Air- is yours. <laughs> Last Airbender? No, no. <laughs> Spike, yeah, Spike Lee's a much better director than M Night. All right, I'll defer. Okay, we'll we'll do a uh, we'll do a full. Uh, Ed Knight movie breakdown rankings, uh, you know, on another slow week, maybe. Um, and then for the Eagles, um, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Um, I wanted to keep it celebrity, so I'm not going to put Mike Trout in there. Um, Silver Linings Playbook. He does the voiceover for the the hype videos. Uh, he'll sit in a box with Jeffrey Lurie, you know, unlike he's, the real fans. He's but... like, he's our Ellen, you know? He's our Ellen. What? <laughs> Bradley Cooper is much nicer than Ellen. <laughs> Bradley Cooper has never gotten a waitress fired. <laughs> that we know of. I like your fucking nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, all right, guys. Do, uh, what do you think? Ah, which fan wow. should go in? Ooh. This is... I gotta say, you're fucking killing me with this. This is this is the one I'm agonizing over most. David Boreanaz um, for Buffy and Angel to a lesser extent, Bones, but I watch a shit ton of Bones. Um, Tina Fey, fuck, I love Tina Fey. I love Tina Fey. Um, hey, Kevin Hart. He, sorry, he's not in my running. Sure. Um, and then Bradley Cooper's Bradley Cooper. I mean, he's the the biggest celebrity. Fucking Rocket Raccoon, or Raccoon, if you want to pronounce it normally. Um, <laughs> and a if, if there were multiple Rocket uh, Rockets, would they be Rocket Raccoons? <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, Dave, perhaps. And A Star is Born is one of the, the best films of the, the last decade. Oh my god! I don't know who to pick. Um, Gene, you go first. I'll go okay. second. You go first. All right. Um, I had to be honest. Like when, when, when it, you know, went back through in my mind and sort of like ticked them off. Honestly, I, I mean, Tina Fey has done 
sort of an amazing job of of both elevating and maintaining the the appropriate image of the Phillies throughout her career. Um, you know, she sort of has given them a, a bit of, uh, cre- you know, more credibility b- without, like, making them seem more serious than they are. Um, right. You know, it, it, a la, you know, I feel like, uh, I guess Jimmy Fallon would be a good thing with, like, the making the, the, the Red Sox seem pseudo-important and um, – Romantic, which I don't necessarily believe that either of those things are true about the Red Sox. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to go Tina Fey. Okay. All right. So David Boreanaz is out of the running because Why? I because I don't think he's a big enough celebrity. I think he is the biggest fan. I will say he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, like promoting Angel. And it was back when Jimmy Kimmel was live and the Flyers had just lost the playoff game. And all he did was bitch about Checkmonic. Like he didn't promote the show. <laughs> he went on and was just furious about Roman Checkmonic. So, I mean, he has, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Cause, uh, Chuck Fuck it, me, David Boreanaz. I am the biggest, like, of my genre okay. enjoyments, it's the best, and he is the biggest fan, and, oh, man, that's so hard. Okay. Are, are you saying David Boreanaz? I don't is that know. your final answer? Uh, no, it's not my final answer. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing, because I think it's between Tina Fey and David Boreanaz. And it's funny that you say you're, he's out because that that would be where because Kevin Hart it's like where you been dude yeah yeah I, I sort of feel like he just showed up and Bradley Cooper is like so he's like so a level celebrity yeah, that he can't ridiculous. represent this show yeah it's so ridiculous <laughs> I mean it's, Tina Fey is a pretty hot but she keeps it real yeah yeah well the reason I said no David Boreanaz is because he was not in the same class as celebrity as the other three. Well, sometimes I think we're not in the same class of podcasts as the other three. Shut well, your mouth. That's fair. <laughs> um, but he is, he is what I Phillip think Simmons. of it. Fuck <laughs> Phil Simmons. Union busting asshole. Uh, um, I mean, we are fourth really behind, <laughs> behind all the Bill Simmons podcasts. It's his three and then <laughs> us. But it's – I talked myself into David Boreanaz once I get the moment of backing because, dude, I watched the shit out of Buffy and Angel and a good amount of Bones, and he is a huge fan. Like, uh, he – Flyers logos have appeared on both. Up. Yeah. Uh, my girl, Allison Hannigan. We cannot leave – this show's going totally off the rails because you're taking us there, Chuck. Come on. We know you did with the nominees. These are like, it's like fucking catnip for me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put the ball in your court and say, David Boreanaz final answer. Okay. I'm going to say Tina Fey is the, uh, wait, Gene, who did you say? I said Tina Fey. Said Tina. Okay. I'm going to say Tina Fey is the tiebreaker. I think she's a, a, an accurate representation of Potadelphia. I think we, you know, don't, we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, we love Philly, but hate it at the same time. We would definitely uh, have the fanatic on the show. If, if hey, if he'll come on and take off those Elton John glasses and put his real <laughs> eyes on, he can come on the show. 
anytime he wants. Um, so, you know what time it is. And it's not time for me to move the gnome. It's time for the penalty box! I like a how times, it's a gnome and not an elf. Um, gnomes, Dave, <laughs> moves from other people's lawns. But I think the statute of limitations have passed for that. Um, as I collect myself from the agony of the Sophie's choice that Dave threw in front of me, I'm going to throw it to Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box this evening? Uh, it's time for one of my popular people to go and sit uh, for a few more minutes because they just can't learn their lesson. Um but Roger Goodell, I'm going to ask you to, to, to take a seat again tonight because um, he made an announcement today that the NFL players and staff were not going to jump the line for Super Bowl, uh, whatever, what are we on, 55? Um, yeah, no shit, asshole. Like, that's not how this country works. It's, you know, I know that that's, like, what people think, um, but... Um, you know, nobody was thinking like, oh, the vaccine came out. I can't wait till all of the NFL players get it. Like that was not nobody was there was nobody was writing that story. You didn't have to make a press conference about it. You didn't have to come out and, and answer questions like it was already assumed that since you guys were, you know, on top of, you know, your protocols and you're so good at it, um, you know, it, hopefully they at least improve by the Super Bowl because we don't want to have Super Bowl Wednesday. Um, that would be really, really annoying, uh, since already they need to make the, the Monday after a national holiday, really. Um, but hey, since we all work at home, we can just be hung over at home. We don't really have to like not get paid for the day. Um, but for that reason, I ask you, Roger Goodell, once again, to please uh, enter the penalty box. All right, Roger Goodell, welcome back. Um, for this time, assuming that's a charitable decision... Not to put your players' health over that of frontline workers, you're getting a two-minute minor for hubris. Two-minute minor for hubris. <laughs> All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box? All right, it's the holiday season. It's the season of giving. So I'm not going to do a penalty box. I'm going to do a. I'm going to do a star. Okay. For for friend of the podcast, Tim who is a total bro today, locked down a PS5 for your boy uh, and made and is going to make a very Merry Christmas for a 7-year-old, 10-year-old, and 41-year-old boy uh, <laughs> next week. Um, so, uh, total, you know, overly generous act. Um, I really appreciate it. And, you know, I, I, it's the holiday season, so I wanted to, to spread some love and, uh, and thank Tim, friend of the show. All right, La Première Toile, your number one star, Timothy John Manning. <laughs> Chuck, who's in your penalty box? I hope not me. I'm pretty sure his middle name is John and not James, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's John. Um, in my penalty box is going to be a return guest, um, just like Gene's. Mine is going to be Frank Saravelli. <laughs> um it's been so long since we've had another Frank twitter in argument <laughs> i did not argue with him but that wasn't through lack of his trying um for those that don't know um tsn canadian hockey stalwart bob mckenzie uncle bob the insider of all insiders 
has moved to a semi-retirement. And he is taking a lesser role with TSN. And TSN is Canada's ESPN. Um, they have a big competitor that isn't comparable in the States. But this is this is a fixture of the hockey community. Think Woj in basketball, but 10 times more respected. If Bob McKenzie told me my birthday was in August, I would believe him. <laughs> my birthday's in July, for those that don't know. And why the fuck would you? Sorry. Two minutes for me for hubris. Um, but Bob McKenzie has recently moved into semi-retirement. So there's this vacuum for insider knowledge. And Frank is an insider. He's also a bit of an arrogant prick. Um, but that comes from his Philly background. But twice recently, he's doing these victory laps. And it's really unseemly. And it's it's like anger management problems. So uh, one of them was KO Sports Inc., uh, I believe a, a sports agent group, um, disputed a claim that one of their one of their representatives was moving on to the Arizona Coyotes, and then a week later, it was confirmed that that it was true, and what Frank reported was was accurate. So he quote tweeted the report from the fourth and said, Hey, Kurt, just passing this along, take care. So he's like rubbing it in their face that he was right and they were wrong, but it doesn't really make much sense. If one of your agents is leaving your agency, it would make far more sense for it to leak before they go and call and go, yeah, I quit. You just don't know it or they're managing PR. So why take the victory lap there? I don't get it. Next, um, Frank Cervelli reported that um, the Vegas Golden Knights were shopping Max Pacioretty. And Greg Wyshynski, um once and probably future penalty box uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recipient himself, said, checked in on Max Pacioretty being shot by the Golden Knights, and I didn't believe, I don't believe he's in play. Even if he was, I believe his no-trade clause would cover some of the destinations, yada, yada, yada. Frank responded, one problem, Greg, my report wasn't about uh, Pacioretty's no-trade clause or the difficulty of a deal, and it didn't include any destinations. Have the Golden Knights been trying to trade Max Pacioretty? The answer to that is yes. That's the report. That's it. Next tweet. By the way, if you want to pretend to be Daniel Dale, by all means, bring it on. We can start with your division alignments, which were wrong from Jump Street. And we're not talking about the Flyers' omission. To which Daniel Re Dale replied, well, LOL, how did I get dragged into this? <laughs> <laughs> but that was a total overreaction. It was... He said something. Wyshynski didn't mention him by name and said, hey, I looked into it. I didn't find anything, and it's difficult to do anyway. And he freaks out on him. If you're going to be an insider, that means you're going to have information other people don't. You know, if everyone goes, yeah, Frank was right. I had it too. You're not earning your keep. You should go. Yeah, I stand by my story. I have the right information and see yourself proven right. Dude is burning bridges and looking like an asshole while doing it. So Frank Saravelli, welcome back to welcome back to the penalty box. You're getting a two minute um, minor with another two on top of it. 
calm the fuck down and try to grow into your position. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Another Oh, nice. It's good to get a nice long one back into the uh, into the yeah. rotation. Yeah. I, I've missed these two-hour chats that we've... <laughs> um, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Uh, and until next Wednesday... Have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.